Well, God bless you. 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 Come on in and welcome to week three of the School of Prayer. The School of Prayer. And listen, I am so uh, delighted, excited tonight that you have joined us uh, as we take some time to go into the Word of God. The Word of God is the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God reveals the will of God. And the will of God shows us the ways of God. So as long as we understand his word, his ways, his will, we will fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has established and ordained for our lives. So God bless you as you're coming in tonight. Bless you. This is the school of prayer. And I want you on our Facebook campus and our YouTube campus and all of our Instagram family that's on Facebook and YouTube tonight share uh, this Bible study lesson share this Bible class with others so that we might grow in Christ together now I'm doing something that I normally uh, wouldn't do and have not done in a very long time many many years and tonight I'm teaching from the sanctuary that's right teaching from the sanctuary, our cathedral campus in Brooklyn, teaching from the sanctuary. I took some time to pray, to meditate before I also imparted uh, and taught on prayer to you tonight. So I'll give you another moment. God bless you. Hey, good to see you. I see you coming in. God bless you. We love you. And just uh, type in three words, it, well, three, it, is well. There you go. It is well. No matter what it seems like, no matter what it feels like, it is well. I want to shift the, the dial a little bit. Uh, over the last two weeks, Pastor Josh and I have shared. Tonight I will impart, sometimes he'll impart, and then we'll continue to dialogue together. But I want to talk to you from a practical standpoint tonight on how to develop a strong prayer life how to develop a strong prayer life. Prayer is a lifestyle. We don't encounter God at the center. We meet him at the edge. To be strictly at the center uh, is to focus on the status quo. But to see where we are headed requires us to be on the edge. And so I want to I look at how we can be on the edge of our prayer lives. Father, we bless you. We honor you in the name of Jesus, what you are doing now and how you're continuing to give wisdom, and guidance and insight and instruction. We thank you for being able to worship you with our minds. Open the eyes of our understanding. Give us an ear to hear what your spirit is saying. And we give you all the glory all the honor, all the thanks, and all the praise in Jesus' name, for Christ's sake, thank God, and amen. So let's talk about that. How do we develop a strong prayer life? Now, for starters, prayer has different expressions, such as intimacy with God, right, which includes uh, reading the word, okay, uh, engaging the word of God, all 
right? Fellowship with the spirit. And then there are also times in which we are called uh, and which we are called corporately to pray one for another, to stand in the gap. Uh, the Holy Spirit, Christ himself, is our chief intercessor. And so we join the spirit in prayer for one another, covering in prayer our families, our friends, co-workers, co-laborers, even those that you are in proximity with, your neighbors, and also praying for the sick. And in this way, several things happen. First of all, we encounter God. We do the works of the kingdom, which then changes the world. Prayer then enables us to shift and change history. I'm going to say that principle again. You might want to write that down, type it in the chat, and say it with me. Prayer shapes history. People who pray are history makers. So I want you to say this over your life. I am a history maker. Say it again. I am a history maker. A consistent prayer life is essential to the forerunner of any life in God. Only through a lifestyle of prayer can we receive the fullness of God for what he has provided for us. And so that means that we have to make a commitment to pray. Prayer, prayer, communion, communication. Another way of looking at prayer is consistent communion and communication with God. Consistent communion and communication with God. It is talking to God, talking with God, and listening to God. Not just a laundry list of, oh, I need this, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that but engaging and listening deeply to what the spirit of grace is really saying. And I think that this is so acapola, it is so essential, it is so important. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, the general of the Protestant Reformation, if you will, had said to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer, consistent communion and communication with God. Prayer, consistent communion and communication with God. And one thing I like, I like uh, what Oswald Chambers said. And he said, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And so I, I want us to understand that there are some powerful things that happen for us who are committed to a life of prayer. Uh, one of my favorites from years ago was a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon dynamic preacher of the 19th century. 
And he said, if you believe in prayer at all, expect God to hear you. If you believe in prayer at all, expect God to hear you. If not, do not expect and you will not have. God will not hear you unless you believe he will heal you. Hallelujah. God will not hear you unless you believe he will hear you. I want you to type in right now and say he hears me. I want you to type in right now and say he hears me. Heaven hears you when you pray. And when we pray, it is not of a private matter. Even when we are praying by ourselves, we pray in community as the body of Christ. Expect that God will hear you. If you believe he will, he will be as good as your faith. So let's let's go a step deeper here. How do we come? How do we grow in our knowing? How do we grow in our knowing when it comes to a life of prayer? And there are some ways that we can do that uh, as we begin to mature, because prayer always reveals our concept of God. Prayer always reveals our concept of God. I take prayer very seriously, always have. I listen much more intently when people are praying than simply also when they are talking because it reveals where they are. So prayer at times is a great privilege Prayer, laying a foundation at times is a great privilege. Prayer at times is a great, a fierce struggle. And prayer also produces powerful miracles. Prayer is a great privilege. Prayer is a fierce struggle. And prayer is a powerful miracle. Let's break that down. Prayer is a great privilege. We are privileged to walk with the Lord, to come into fellowship with Christ, to engage the spirit and to receive insight, illumination and impartation concerning the spirit of grace. One of the things the Lord spoke to me today and reminded me of today while I was just taking some time to pray and I go on walks and I walk a lot. I just spend time thinking and praying and meditating. One of the things that came to me uh, and the Spirit of the Lord reminded me is that years ago, uh, there was a desire and a drive in me when I would preach, teach or study to impress. And one of the things the Lord showed me, he said, you know, uh, as you grow, you move from wanting to impress to wanting to impart. And that's really the essence of prayer. You know, a lot of times we see people trying to impress when they pray. You know, I remember growing up when we would go to conventions and go to meetings and there would be people that get up to pray and we knew exactly what they were going to say. You know, eternal God, our Father, our marvelous monarch of the universe, you know, and it's very lofty. And even though it's very lofty, you it's dry as toast. Okay, uh, it's not so much so about us trying to impress. It's about the spirit of God wanting to impart. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you tonight? 
It is not about us wanting to impress. It's about the spirit of the Lord wanting us to impart. Okay. We're teaching uh, on wisdom on Sundays, and we're also flowing in greater understanding of prayer on our Tuesday nights. And so hear me again, great privilege, also a fierce struggle. Uh, I have never had problems uh, when we would do giveaways. I've never, we never had issues with giveaways. We never had issues when we were doing uh, holiday stuff for ministry. We never had issues when we were doing uh, events, musicals, conferences, gatherings. But whenever we called a prayer meeting, it would always be a struggle. Why? Because we like to call on God only when we get in trouble. We don't like to call him just because it's nice to talk to him. But many of times people have the tendency to only call on the Lord when trouble comes. And listen, saints, we want to move into maturity. Amen. We want to move into maturity. We want to come to the place where we understand what the spirit of the Lord is doing and what he is saying in us, through us, with us, to us, in us, through us, with us in community and to us. Great privilege, fierce struggle, powerful miracles, powerful miracles, powerful miracles, powerful miracles. I'll say it again, powerful miracles. Expect a miracle when you pray. Expect the miraculous when you pray. God honors those who seek him. And I want to say to you prophetically, under the sound of my voice, some of you have been struggling in this area, and I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, tonight you're going to get your seek back. Tonight you're going to get your seek, S-E-E-K, back, in which you're diligently seeking the Lord, where he might be found, in the recesses of your soul and your heart, ready to sup with you. Great privilege, fierce struggle, powerful miracle of the Spirit, who helps us in our weakness in Prayer. The necessity of prayer. The necessity of prayer. I'm just laying a foundation, just seeding the environment. I'm going to get into some scriptures in just a minute. The necessity of prayer. Prayer is necessary because it causes our spirit to be energized. To be energized. Prayer energizes our inner man. Prayer releases God's blessing on our circumstances. No matter what we're facing, hallelujah, no matter what's going on. And sometimes it's even good stuff, a lot of times, okay? But prayer allows us, it releases God's blessing on our circumstances and it results in real changes in our homes. Oh yes, prayer can heal a marriage. Prayer can heal a marriage. Prayer can heal a hurting heart. Prayer can change a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Prayer, I have seen it. I have seen it. I have seen the power of God transform people's lives. I have seen people who were atheists 
who had every hesitation and resistance to the spirit of God. And I have watched the power of God knock people who you would have never believed under the power into the floor and they were transformed forever. I have seen the power of prayer at work. This is not me telling you some theory out of a textbook. This is from real life experience and the word of God and practically prayer works. Prayer works. Prayer works. And it is not our last resort. We're not praying in defense. We're praying in offense. Amen. Let's go a step deeper. Prayer releases changes in families, in homes, in the church, throughout the nations, and in society. Prayer releases changes in our homes, in our families, in our churches, in our nations, and in society. Prayer is a place, hear me, of abiding in Christ or connecting with the spirit that energizes us to love God, his first commandment, which causes us to overflow in love for others, second commandment. Prayer is a place of abiding in Christ or connecting with the spirit that energizes us to love God, first commandment, which causes us to overflow in love for others, second commandment. John 15 and five, John's gospel chapter 15 and verse number five. And the Bible says, he who abides in me bears much fruit, semicolon. He who abides in me bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I want you to underline abides, underline fruit, and underline nothing. He who abides in me bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So prayer requires abiding. Hallelujah. We've got to abide. Prayer requires abiding. We've got to abide in his presence. We've got to spend time with God. We've got to serenade ourselves and saturate ourselves in the spirit of God. We've got to make sure that our minds are regulated. Our hearts are affixed that we might receive from the Lord. Abiding, 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 abiding. He who abides in me bears much fruit. Hold it, Jesus. I thought we're not supposed to look at anything as a result of when we pray. Wait a minute. When we pray, when we abide, it produces fruit. So there should be fruit in the lives of us who pray. There ought to be fruitfulness and not fruitlessness. I'm going to say it again. There ought to be fruitfulness and not fruitlessness. I'm going to say it one more time. There ought to be fruitfulness and not fruitlessness. He who abides in me bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. 
John 15 and 5. Prayer was never meant to be duty-based or merely results-oriented. I'm going to say that again. Prayer. Oh, we got to pray tonight. Yeah. Oh, prayer. Oh, God, you know. Oh, who wants to talk to somebody like that? Prayer is not duty-based. Okay? I, I got to pray. No, 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 no. You get to pray. What a privilege. Oh, I got to pray. I got to read my word. Uh, I got to read. No, 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 no. You get to read the word. Do you understand the sacrifices that were made for us to have an actual Bible? That it was over a process of literally over, over the last 500 years that enabled us to have a physical Bible with chapters and verses that we can actually read consecutively together. Do you know how much of a blessing that is? Do you know that William Tyndale, who was one of the pioneers in the 16th century, literally translated uh, uh, two-thirds, 80% of, of the original King James from 1611, that William Tinsdale had literally translated uh, some, of the, some of the original language in the Greek from Greek to English. One of the first English translations of scripture came from William Tinsdale, and William Tinsdale gave his life for that. Do you understand how much of a blessing it is that someone gave their life for us to have what we have right now. When Tinsdale did that, they were so angry that they literally strangled him, they killed him, and they burned him at stake because they did not want this word to get in the hands of the people. There was a sacrifice for us to get the Bible as we have it in our hands today. It was a byproduct of the printing press. One of the first technological advances, the first book ever printed was the Bible in uh, uh, our understanding in Western civilization. So don't ever take it lightly that we have the word at our fingertips. And the crazy part is we have the word of God at our fingertips and folk don't read it. Imagine that. We have the word of God at our fingertips. We have the ability to pray and we don't use our weapons. And so we constantly get defeated and we are weak and spiritually anemic because we don't have the iron of the word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Oh, come on here, somebody. And so prayer was never meant to be duty-based or merely results-oriented. Rather, it is the place of an encounter. Learn to see that. When you pray, it is a place of an encounter. I expect God to move. I expect God to heal. I expect God to deliver. I expect God to set free. I expect God to look out. I expect God to show up. I expect God to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I can ask or think when I pray. When I pray, I know that I am talking to a prayer answering God. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the power of God right now. When I pray, when you pray, you are not being Passive, you are being transformational. Let me calm down. I'm teaching, not, not preaching. I'm getting excited. Prayer was never meant to be duty-based or merely results-oriented. I'm getting turned up, okay? Rather, it is the place of an encounter with God where our spirit is energized as we grow to love him more. It positions us to be energized to love God 
and people by receiving God's love as a father and bridegroom. Let's go a step deeper. I want to submit to us that we love others better as we encounter God's heart. We love others better as we encounter God's heart. We do not have to give up our prayer time to make time for others. You can do both. Amen. Prayer that leads to intimacy with God protects us from burnout. Our prayer life serves as a buffer against spiritual burnout. Our prayer life serves as a buffer against spiritual burnout. And there'll be times in which you have to learn to rest, in which you have to learn to pause. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Here's the principle. Maintaining a heart connection with Jesus is the lifeline that enables us for decades to sustain our ministry, sustain our heart, winning the lost, healing the sick, doing works of justice and compassion. So why does God want us to pray? Why does God want us to Why does God want us to pray? Why does God want us to pray? Hmm. He wants us to connect with his heart in deep partnership. Watch this. So when we ask God for everything, it is a foundational principle of the kingdom. Matthew 6 and 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. A few verses before, Jesus is chiding them and saying, don't do like the Gentiles and ask, what shall we wear? What shall we drink? For your father knows these things before you even ask them. But seek ye first. So he understands needs. So we never ought to pray for need. We're never to come to God simply with need. We're to come to God simply out of delight. So we want to change our prayer paradigm from duty to delight. Okay? So we have to ask, not just think about our need with frustration and desperation. I want to give us two, two scriptures, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll lay some more about this. Okay? Uh, Philippians 4 and 6. Philippians 4 and 6 says, in everything by prayer, let your requests be made known to God. In everything by prayer, let your requests be made known to God. There are blessings that God has chosen to give, but he withholds them until we ask him. In this way, he protects his relationship with us by not answering until we connect with him by asking. Ask, he'll answer. If you call on Jesus, he will answer prayer. Ask, he'll answer. Uh, Isaiah chapter 30, once you get this scripture, uh, we just read Philippians 4 and 6. 
Now we're going to Isaiah chapter 30, verses 18 through 19. Brothers and sisters in the, in the islands, say Isaiah. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Isaiah, Isaiah, either way it's fine. Isaiah 30, verses 18 through 19. Praise the Lord. Are you ready? The Lord will wait. The Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Verse 19, he will be very gracious to you at the sound, hallelujah, of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Isaiah 30, verses 18 through 19, we'll say it again. The Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. I want to give you three practical ways tonight to strengthen your prayer life. Three very simple, very practical ways. It's not going to be long tonight to strengthen your prayer life. Remember, we said that prayer is a what? A consistent communication and communion with God. Consistent communication and communion with God. Consistent consistent communion and communication with God. So if we're going to be consistent, here are the three ways we do that. First of all, we strengthen our prayer life by setting a schedule for regular prayer times. Now, this deals with circadian rhythms, or what we call spiritual circadian rhythms. Now, my wife and I, my lady Dara, she's going to get a kick out of this, but my wife and I, talk about this all the time because sometimes she'll turn the light out of the bed and I say, hey, you're messing up my rhythms. I need my rhythm. I need a dark. Uh, so every person biologically has a, a, a clock, right? Every person biologically has a circadian rhythm. You have peak times, peak times when you're most energetic, times when you're more relaxed, times when you're completely wiped out. Okay. So the key is to know your circadian rhythm spiritually. For some, it is early in the morning, and we understand early in the morning, well, I secretly, okay? But for others, it could be late at night, all right? So understanding where you are. Jim Lair, in his book years ago, was talking about the powerful engagement, and he said that instead of time management, because we cannot manage time, we're only able to manage focus. So instead of time management, he was arguing for energy management. And what that simply means is knowing when you are at your best peak performance, knowing when you are at your best peak performance. You know, if 5 a.m. is not for you, don't sit up there. Five o'clock. Oh, oh, Lord, I love you. No, <laughs> no. OK, work with where you are. Now, if you're like me, sometimes gonna wake you up out your sleep uh, and 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 it's not comfortable. But he is God. OK. <laughs> But you want to schedule a time for regular prayer, schedule a time for regular prayer. Next thing you want to also do is uh, have a right view of God, have a right view of God, have a right view of God. And then thirdly, you want to make a prayer list, a prayer list. OK, you want to schedule prayer times in the ancient church. You prayed. Nine, 
12 and 3 based off of the Jewish uh, school of thought. And then we also see that in Daniel 9, 12, 3, uh, specific times of prayer uh, in the ancient church history. We called it praying the hours in which we use the daily office. And I'll talk to you about that. Uh, the daily office, we keep that on our website and our ministry uh, in which there are hours and times in which you can pray and different scriptures to pray throughout the day. Okay, so you want a schedule, you need a right view of God. He's not a genie, he's God. He does not have to do it the way you want him to. He doesn't have to answer it the way we want him to. He's God. So schedule, a right view of God, and a prayer list. Okay, now here's, here's how we're going to do this. So a schedule. A schedule establishes when we pray. Now there will be times of spontaneity in the spirit, of course, as well. But you also want to have a schedule, all right. So for me, I have a set time uh, that I I'm, I'm spending deliberately in prayer, and I call it in my calendar. I have it in my calendar, like I have everything else. I call it um, time of refreshing. Yeah. Well, sometimes I change the name, but for the most part, it's time of refreshing. Well, yeah, it's called morning prayer, but I used to also do it where it would say time of refreshing. Okay, and these are times in which I make sure that I spin in the presence of God. When I'm in the presence of God, my countenance changes. When I'm in the presence of God, my demeanor changes. When I'm in the presence of God, my face changes. When I'm in the presence of God, my attitude changes. Uh, you know, sometimes, you, you know, all of us have our days, right? Uh, when I'm in the presence of God, it gets me straight. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, so a schedule establishes when we will pray. A right view of God causes us to want to pray. A schedule establishes when we will pray. Okay. A right view of God causes us to want to pray. All right. And then a prayer list focuses us on what to pray. I'll say it again. Uh, a prayer schedule establishes when we will pray. Okay. A right view of God uh, causes us to want to pray, uh-huh, and a prayer list gives us focus on what to pray, okay, and so you want to make sure that you schedulize your time, that you take some time uh, to do that. Uh, most people will pray 10 times more with the simplicity of developing a schedule and prayer list. I'm a living witness. I'm a living witness. I've been doing that, oh my God, at least 15, 15 20 years, wow, something like that. When I was a little kid, I, I, I was deliberate about my prayer time, even when I was in school, uh, elementary, junior high, school, college, uh, working, everything. I was deliberate about my prayer time. Guard your prayer time. Guard your prayer time. Guard your prayer time. When my wife and I were having our babies, our first baby, uh, we were at the hospital. And, uh, you know, my alarm would go. She was that alarm. It's my prayer alarm. And we hold, I'm rocking the baby, newborn baby, and praying. Okay. Had the second baby. Uh, that baby came later on in the day, thank God. So I had already prayed on my way there. <laughs> okay. And so understanding that. So many who love God never develop, watch this, a consistent prayer life. Okay. Many who love God never develop a consistent prayer life because they lack these. They lack a schedule. They lack a right view of God and they lack a prayer list. Okay, and I want us to understand these are three effective keys to developing a consistent prayer life. Okay, 
So over the years, we want to make sure that we take some time. Once our prayer time has been scheduled, that is sacred time. And you want to treat it as a real appointment with the king. Hey, you can even put it down as a doctor's appointment, Dr. Jesus, okay? And so we want to commit to the Lord that scheduled prayer times are appointments that should not be missed. Amen. And of course, you can deviate from your list. You can deviate from all those things uh, as the Spirit of God speaks and as the Spirit of God moves. We want to make sure that we understand how this works. I want to give you three more things, and then I'm going to close tonight, and we will pick up uh, next time, okay? All right? So the first thing we want to understand when developing a prayer list, it is helpful to understand that there are three major themes of prayer. How many? Three major themes of prayer, okay? I like to do things in threes, fives, or sevens. Every now and then I'll do something fours, quads, okay? But I typically threes, fives, and sevens, okay? Three major prayer themes. Gifts of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, wisdom of the Spirit. Okay, let's do that again. Gifts of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, wisdom of the Spirit, okay? Gifts of the Spirit that deals with God's power and favor being released. God's power and favor being released. God's what? Power and what? Favor being released. Okay. Secondly, fruit of the Spirit. Fruit, uh, singular, fruit of the Spirit. One fruit of the Spirit. That is God's power, God's character formed in us or others. See, we like the gifts, but we don't like the fruit because the gifts is the power, but the fruit is what sustains the gift. The fruit is the character. And whenever there's a gift, but no character, uh, destruction is pending. OK, so the gifts of the spirit, God's power and favor. All right. The fruits of the spirit, God's character is formed in us and others. We need to pray for the gifts of the spirit the power to be released, the fruit of the spirit, the character to be released, and then the wisdom of the spirit. Oh my God. We love the gifts, despise the fruit, and have no wisdom. The gifts of the spirit deals with God's power and favor. Fruit of the spirit deals with God's character formed in us, which leads us to the wisdom of the spirit, which gives us God's mind or the spirit of revelation that is imparted. So power brings the gifts. Character yields the fruit. Wisdom brings the mind of God to our circumstance and our situation. We want to make sure that we don't just have the power. We don't just have the bling bling. We don't just have the giftedness. We want to make sure we have the fruit of the spirit so that our character is developed, our character is established, our character is crystallized, and then we walk out of the gifts and of the fruit in the wisdom of God so that we are able to impart what we have received to and with others. 
And when we do this, when the gifts, the fruit, and the wisdom of God are in alignment, transformation happens. When the gifts, the fruit, and the wisdom are imparted, transformation happens. And my prayer tonight is that we will learn how to operate in the fruit, in the gifts, and in the wisdom so that transformation can continue to happen. Developing a prayer life. Remember, a schedule, a right view of God, and then you're developing your list. And when you're doing this, we're believing for the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and the wisdom of the Spirit. And what did we say? The gifts of the Spirit bring power. Fruit of the Spirit brings character. But the wisdom of the Spirit, what does it do? It brings the mind of God. We need the mind of God to navigate everything in our path, everything in front of us, and everything that God desires to do in and through our lives. Spirit of the living God, we thank you for what you have done tonight. Be glorified, be honored, be exalted, be praised. Thank you for clarity concerning where we are and where you're calling, destiny, and establishing us to be. Lord, I've said what you told me to say. I've done what you told me to do. Now confirm this word of signs and wonders following. Allow someone's heart to be edified, encouraged, and strengthened. As we move from one degree of grace to the other, we give your name the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that this has released gifts of the Spirit in your life. I pray that tonight has released fruit of the Spirit in your life and for the wisdom of the Spirit. If you're not saved out of the ark of safety, we offer Christ to you. He died 2,000 years ago that you might be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, he will save you. And salvation is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But through discipleship, we're able to grow in our walk with the Lord. Baptism is an outward sign of an invisible work. And then discipleship, coming into growing and knowing. About our Lord. I'm going to ask if you would to plant a free will offering tonight. If you would plant a seed, uh, plant a seed, whatever the amount, uh, no amount is too high or too small, but be generous in your giving, be liberal in your giving. Uh, if everyone at least could get $20 seed tonight, that'd be such a blessing. But do what you can do. Uh, do what you can do. For some, it might be 50, 25, 100, whatever. It's not the amount, uh, it's the size of your faith. Uh, so let's just plant a seed free will offering into the life of this ministry tonight for this Bible study. Father, I bless you for every seed sown. Thank you for the seed of the word that is given. Thank you for it falling on good ground. Bless your people tonight. Thank you for the privilege of ministering to them and overwatching, overlooking their souls. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we do pray. Thank God.
Amen. Listen, the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. May his countenance be with you. And may he give you his peace. Globalists we are. Fire is what we bring. Ministry is what we do. Amen. 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 God bless you. I'll touch this before. I want you to look at someone and tell them when promise meets power. When promise meets power. I believe that that's what God wants to say to this house and to the birthday bishop today. That God is going to move you from promise into power. If you receive that, just say amen. You may receive it. When promise uh, meets power. When promise uh, meets power. Uh, we are literally living uh, in a tipping point. A time that has never happened as we have known it. Uh, everything is changing rapidly. And because of that, we are uh, adjusting or even adapting to the demands of the change. When we look at this particular passage of scripture, moving very quickly, there are several things that leap out to us. And a lot of times when it comes to the fulfillment of the purpose of God in our lives, uh, we tend to want the end result uh, without uh, enduring all of the middle that it takes to get there. Uh, it is always more tantalizing, more exciting, uh, more inviting for us to get to the end result uh, instead of navigating through the messy middle. And as we are at the precipice of a brand new year, a year of the likes we have never seen before, I believe it is Victor Hugo who said it best uh, when he said that don't, no man can have a brand new start. Anyone can start from now and have a brand new ending. I said it again. He said, though no man can have a brand new start, anyone can start from now and have a brand new ending. God does allow U-turns. I'm going to say it again. God does allow U-turns. How many of you have made some wrong turns in your life? I wish I had some of you and you went some wrong turns and you turned some corners and did some things that you wouldn't always want to share about. But God has a way of detouring us right into his purpose, uh, right into his plan. And I believe that these last two or three years, uh, next month, will have been a time of detours, a time of changes, a time in which we have had to adjust to everything we once knew. A time, uh, just like years ago when the Matrix had come out, uh, they had presented a blue pill and a red pill. And the invitation was that whichever one you took uh, would take you on a particular journey. And I believe that the Spirit of God has put us in a particular journey uh, that has been at times uncomfortable. Uh, but for some reason in the mind of God, he has married us to this moment. And we must be sensitive to what he is doing. I want you to look at someone and tell them God is on the move. Now I want you to ask them, are you moving with him? It is easy to get stuck where God was and not where God is. Uh, to get stuck in what he was doing 
and not what he is doing. Uh, it is important for us to maintain our testimony. Uh, it's important for us to remember what God has done. But it's even more important for us to realize where he's taking us. That's why whenever you are driving, whenever you are riding, uh, there is uh, the rear view, but the rear view is always smaller than the front mirror. Because we are never to get too focused or too big on what happened before. But we are to look forward in faith for what God wants to do. And I believe that God has something on his heart. I believe that God has something on his mind. And as we look at this particular passage of scripture, the book of Genesis is a book of beginnings. It's a book of origins. It enables us to understand how the family of God begins to be established in the earth. We understand that Abraham is the prototype in Genesis 12, moving swiftly, as the pattern or the paradigm of faith. And the Bible allows us to understand and to know uh, that in Genesis chapter 12, God tells Abraham, Abraham as he calls him unto himself. And he says to him, I want you to leave your home country. And I want you to go to a place that you have never been before, and I'm going to establish you, and I'm going to make your name great. Abram had a promise, but he had no idea what it would cost. He had a promise, but he had no idea that it would involve all kinds of challenges. And I want to preach to the promises that we all are believing God for in this moment. And somebody here this morning, the Spirit of God is saying you're carrying a promise. And the promise has a lot of potential, but there's also the room for pitfalls. The promise has a lot of potential, but there's also room for abandonment. The promise has a lot of potential, but there's also room for aggravation. And there's something about when you know God has promised you something, and the more you pray and the more you believe it's seems as if the less opportunity is coming for it to come to pass. And I want to tell somebody today by the Spirit of God, it's time for you to dust off those dreams because God is saying to you, even though you're in process, I have not forgotten you. Look at somebody and tell them God has not forgotten you. It's very easy to get stuck in where you've been so long that it feels as if God has forgotten you. But Bishop, I want to tell you, God has not forgotten you. That's why death couldn't take you. Because God has not forgotten you. That's why despite the surgery, God has not forgotten you. I really came to preach to you and let them hear me preach to you. God has not forgotten you. And that's why there's more for you to do in a different way. You gotta understand that when it comes to what God does, it does not always make sense to us. But He knows what He's doing. The Bible tells us that Joseph is the child of Jacob's old age. Now, notice in the beginning of Genesis 37 and verse number one, it tells us uh, about Jacob. But then we see uh, when it's referring to Joseph, it refers to Israel. Uh, it speaks to two entirely different natures. First time it remembers and reminds us, if you look very carefully, you know I'm in the book. When you look very carefully, it tells us this is the account of Jacob's family line. But when you go down to verse number three, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph. 
So we're understanding it's referring to the same person, but it's speaking to two entirely different natures. When we understand Jacob, uh, Jacob being a supplanter, Jacob being a deceiver, Jacob was the nature of who he was before he began to wrestle with an angel, began to wrestle, and from the wrestling, Pastor Bryce, he began to discover who he really was. And I want to argue that these last two and a half years have caused us to walk with a limp. It caused us to wrestle to the point in which we had to die ourselves to fully understand who we really are. You don't really know who you are until the pressure has been cooked up high. You don't know who you really are until pressure comes on you. You don't know who you really are until your back is against the wall and your friends on Facebook Bible says to us, this is the account of Jacob's family line when he was, Joseph, when he was of 17, tending flocks with his brothers. He was tending flocks. God has a unique habit of doing great things and putting great people in menial tasks. God has a unique habit uh, of putting people who have marked by greatness in the midst of dirty and shamble places. He has a habit of causing those that he is going to promote to, to first of all be tested in their potential. Yes, yes, yes. The question now is can we pass the test of doing things in obscurity? Of changing the light bulbs in the church when the church is over? Of being able to come out and be faithful when other people are unaccounted for. Can we pass the test that requires us to have the ability to live? It requires faithfulness. And we live in a culture of flakiness. Did you hear what I said? We live in a culture of flakiness. But God is looking for faithfulness. God honors his word and he expects us to honor our word. Amen. I'm gonna come, Mr. I'm gonna come and Bishop, I thought you saw. Oh well, you know, uh, well, you know. And Bishop and I were talking about that. I said, Bishop, you know, it's so it's so amazing. Uh, it's kind of unfair sometimes when it comes to being a pastor because uh, if we if we take off as much as the saints do, won't be church. You ain't hear what I'm saying. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I, when my wife had our second baby, and I took some time off uh, because of the second baby, and was pregnancy was harder that second time than the first time. And so I took some time off, and people were texting me, Are you sick? <laughs> uh, Mitchell, are you sick? I, I was wondering if you were sick. Uh, is that all right? We haven't seen you sick. I said, No, I'm just taking some time with my family. Everybody thought I was sick and dying because I wasn't. Now I said to myself, if the other sh if it went the other way around, every hospital in New York City would be full. My God. Why? Because we have the tendency to put high expectation at the top. No expectation at the bottom. But God looks at the bottom to see who nobody else is looking at. And God is the one that takes that from the bottom and pushes got to develop deep roots and your roots are developed in obscurity. Your roots are developed when no one is looking. 
Your roots are developed when no one is paying attention. Your roots are developed when no one is around. Your roots are developed when no one is seeing you but God. come to understand that Joseph was different from the beginning. He's different from the beginning. And I want us to understand this very quickly. Every dream requires discipline. Every dream requires discipline. One of the things about discipleship, it requires us to be disciplined. We've got to be learners. We've got to pray. We've got to be in the word. Uh, that is not something that is a casual occurrence for a believer. Every believer is called to pray. Every believer is called to read the word. That's what it is called. That is what's called for if we're called to be a believer. Just like oxygen is required for the body. Spiritual oxygen comes from the word of God. How many of you have sometimes been tired coming home from work and, and one word from God, it could literally be a scripture, it could be a thought. One word from God can resuscitate your tired soul. Who am I talking to today? One word from God can pick you all the way up. There was one time I was so low in the middle of the week and sometimes Tuesday, Wednesday, it gets like that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you got stuff doing, you got expectations. And, and some of you that might be entrepreneurial and got things you got to do with clients. And some of you who are working in different fields, you got stuff you got to do to get your reports done.
integrity of the dreamer moving quickly. Next thing we see is the intentionality of the dreamer. He continued to be intentional despite what happened all around him. The challenge with this, Pastor Bryce, <laughs> is that what Joseph saw involved his brothers. What he saw involved his brother. The dream did not cut them off. They all were sheaves, but his sheep was higher than their sheep. But they had the inability to understand that if they were in the dream, they would also get there too. And the problem is, we today was Charlie Mungo who said this. I was reading this the other day. I was, he said, the problem with our society today is not greed, it's envy. We think that we never have enough. And so the moment somebody else looks like they got more than we got, we start comparing ourselves. And comparison and competition are signs of insecurity. Comparison and competition are signs of confusion. Anytime you are trying to compare yourself and compete yourself, you're diminishing what God placed inside of you because we didn't design you to be a rat in a pack. He designed you to be who he called you to. Look at somebody and tell him, get a good look at me. I'm a designer's original. Get a good look at me. I know in music culture today, we want everybody to have the same hairstyle. We want everybody to have, if you notice it, have you noticed it, have you noticed it? Everybody got the same look. Everybody got, even in the gospel this year, everybody got the same look. Everybody got the same talent. Everybody got the same this. But is there oil there? Is there an anointing there? I'd rather not look your part, but be called my God than compromise who God made me to be. It's time to get back to being radical. One thing that distinguished Pentecostals years ago was that we did not try to be like the world. We didn't try to be like everybody else. I grew up in my grandparents singing songs. You can take this whole world, world but I'll take Jesus for mine. We understood there was a difference between us and them. And the problem is today, all of us want to be like That's why we don't hear you think of the S word in the culture, but the real S word is sanctification. We don't like to hear the word sanctification anymore. Why? Because sanctification means you got to be set apart from some stuff. You got to cut away from some stuff. Every now and then, you got to go and refresh your phone and refresh your feed and make sure you ain't following the wrong stuff on TikTok. Am I in the room? Am I in the room? Am I in the room? got to make sure you and them DMs and make sure them DMs are godly. Because if you ain't godly, them DMs will get you in trouble. Hello, somebody. got to make sure your witness is not in vain. Integrity of the dreamer. Intentionality of the dreamer. And then the intention, Bishop, of the dreamer. What would have happened if Joseph had responded and slid back in the part of his wife's DM and told her, I will take your advantage. Would he have gotten to where he was called? Did anybody else see it now? But God knows. You hear what I'm saying? We're living in a day of, of people rising as fast as they're falling. 
Do you see it? Yes. Rising as fast as they're falling. Songs that hit, they're down the next day. Why? Because we are not rooted and grounded in the word of God. Moving quickly. Joseph, Bishop, presents us, shows us as a type of Christ. A few things. First of all, the Bible tells us Joseph is the son of his old age. We understand that Joseph himself is the prototype, is the blueprint of a dream, and he is called to be the one that is to feed the entirety of Egypt. Joseph points us to Christ because it points us first to God's dream to rescue humanity from the famine of sin so that we may eat the bread of life. I wish I had a church here. Joseph shows us about Christ because Joseph is betrayed by his brethren. Just as Christ is despised by his brother. I wish I had some Bible readers here. Joseph, the Bible says, is given a coat of many coats. Jesus, when he's on the cross, his garment is gambled over on the cross. That's the right. He too dies for the entire world. And when he dies for the entire world, the cross becomes his coat. And I came to tell somebody today, no matter what you're going through, and no matter the cost, God has not changed his mind concerning you. Look at somebody and tell them God has not changed his mind. No matter what it looks like, Literally go through 
Thank you.